and welcome to the latest Chat Talks HR podcast. Today I'm speaking with John Hexton, Head of Thought Leadership at the Myers Briggs Company. Hi, John. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you very much for having me. No worries at all. So, so John, to kick us off, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners about who you are and what you do? Because that's a very interesting job title you have. It's a good job title, isn't it? So one of these days, I'll work out exactly what it means. Um, but I guess really it's about helping people to understand more about personality. Personality is measured by the mind's biggest type indicator. Personality is measured by the other lenses that we look at personality in. And a lot of that involves research. Some of it involves talking about research. And some of it involves really finding out a little bit more about how people are using our assessments and using things like the mind's biggest type indicator. But it's a lovely job title, I agree. Fantastic. So thanks for the introduction. And today we're specifically talking about hybrid working and personality types, obviously through the lens of MBTI. So I know I'm going to sound like a tabloid journalist when I say this, but let's start with the obvious question that some of our listeners will be thinking. This hybrid working, is it as simple as introverts like working from home and extroverts don't? Well, the short answer is no. The longer answer is there's just a tiny smidgen of truth in that. Now, what I'm going to talk about is really based on research we did last year, which looked at the way that people adapted to hybrid working, to home working, to office working, depending on their personality type. And when we looked at extroversion and introversion, what we found is that both extroverts and introverts, they both tended to agree that they enjoyed working from home, they both tended to agree that they appreciate the peace and quiet of working from home. There really wasn't that much difference between extroverts and introverts there. Um, neither of them said they wished they didn't have to work from home more often. Extroverts a little bit more likely to say that, but again, not a huge difference. The big difference was around having people around themselves. So people who were extroverts who were working remotely or working in a hybrid way, they were much more likely than introverts to say, actually, you know, I miss having people around me. 69% of extroverts said that, only 39% of introverts. And extroverts were also more likely to say that they really quite liked working somewhere where there were lots of people around. Introverts, much less likely. So they both enjoy working from home, they both can work from home, they both quite like hybrid working, but there is that difference in terms of having people around, I think, really made a difference between extroverts and introverts there. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because if you go back to, to the MBTI kind of almost definitions of extroversion and, and introversion, it's about energy, isn't it? It's about extroverts get energy from outside the individual where introverts have almost like that dynamo going on inside Absolutely. of them. So, so it's interesting because I'm sure a lot of the listeners like myself would have thought, you know what, extroverts love going to the office and introverts don't. And back at the start of 2020 and the pandemic, I'm sure that was probably going through the, the meetings of human resource teams about how we deal with this. It is. I mean, what we found, again, in other research we did way back when lockdown was on, the pandemic was on, that extroverts, introverts, both adapted, if you like, in different ways to, to working from home. We found, for example, that people with an extroversion personality preference 
what really worked for them was still having some some activity, something going on in the outside world that they could fix their attention on. It was important for them, for example, really to take breaks, to go if they didn't live alone, to talk to people, to go for a walk. And actually even things like having brightly coloured posters or things on the walls of their office really made a difference in terms of their, their, their well-being. But I think the key thing is it's not, as you said, with our tabloid question, it's not as simple as extroverts wanting to party, be around people all the time, introverts wanting to be on their own all the time. There is a little bit of difference about having people around, but both can work successfully in a hybrid way. Both Fantastic. can work remotely, both can work in the office. And, and uh, I have to let you know now, confess, I am an extrovert and I'm sitting in my garden office, as you can see, but the listeners can't. Uh, but And I designed this many, many years ago before any such thing like a pandemic. Uh, and I put the three windows in front of me and there's no windows behind me. And that is because I get my energy from what's going on outside these windows. Uh, so, yeah, it keeps me going in a hybrid, well, in a homeworking way. And I was going to say, as uh, Mark references off introversion, and you can see me again, the listeners can't, and you can see that I've basically got the windows behind me, and that's absolutely fine. In fact, it's slightly distracting the light coming in, to be honest, but I'm focused on the screen in front of me, so that's, that's absolutely fine. Fantastic. So extroversion, introversion, uh, that interesting point. But um, where hybrid workers have actually got the choice uh, where they work, who chooses to work in the office more often? Did you find anything in your research there? We did. So it was about personality, but also it's about a load of other factors as well. So first of all, the, th the thing that made the biggest difference, not surprisingly, is where organisations were actually mandating that people spend a certain amount of time in the office. An obvious thing to say, but, but it's important because that does affect other things as well. The second most important thing was actually about people's home working environment. So where people didn't have a favourable home working environment, where they had lots of other people around who were interrupting them, where they didn't have their own space to work in, those things made a difference. Then, actually, in terms of the office environment, the key thing for both extroverts and introverts was having some private spaces. Having some spaces where, if they needed to, because they were introverts and needed to recharge their batteries, or because they're extroverts and just needed to go away from people and concentrate, some spaces that were private, that they could go away, take themselves away from everybody else. But then in terms of personality, the thing that made the difference actually was another aspect of personality, not extroversion or introversion, but something called sensing and intuition. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Myers-Briggs type indicator model, this is about the way we prefer to take in information. The people with a sensing preference prefer information which is solid, which is real, which is based on the evidence of their five senses, hence that word sensing. People with their preference for intuition, it's about possibilities and how things connect together rather than the direct evidence of your senses. And what we found overall was that people with a sensing preference were much more likely than people with an intuitive preference to spend more time in the office. And I'm just going to take a moment to look at my figures, which I've got written down here. <clears throat> so over half, 53% of people with a sensing preference 
spend three or more days in the office. Only 35 of people have, 35% of people with the intuition preference. 27% of sensing folks spent five or sometimes more days in the office, only 15% of intuitive. So actually, it's maths for difference. And people who have a preference of intuition actually tend to like a bit more variety in their life. And I think this is where this is coming from in terms of wanting to work in that stable office environment versus wanting more of a mix. And again, this is something that we tended to see back in lockdown, that people in church preference welcome that variety. People of sense of preference took a little bit longer to, if you like, establish a routine and become more familiar with a home working environment. And I like that, that last bit there about becoming more familiar, because if I think of my type dynamics um, of MBTI, there's that introverted sensing preference, so it's actually, if it's not, they, they fix it, they, they like exactly. things to continue as they, they were. So I can imagine, therefore, those people struggled with the massive change that came um, through lockdown, lockdown one especially. I think so, and also more especially where an organisation hadn't really given the reasons for that change. Now, we know the big picture reasons for the change, obviously, but where an organisation hadn't spelled out exactly what the change was going to be, exactly what the change in working processes are going to be, the detail of that, that's where those people found it more difficult uh, to cope, if you like. And I suppose now that, that uh, I mean, we, we're past, thankfully, I'll call it the first pandemic, so I'm sure there'll be another one one day. Um, but um, it, it's people are still struggling in some organisations I know I come across where they're saying you've got to be in the office 40% of the time. And I can imagine the sensing people are saying, well, justify it to me. Uh, justify that to me why I need to be in there. Because when I go in the office, what I'm doing is sitting on a screen on Teams or Zoom call. And I think... The other part of that is that the way that organizations tend to communicate with people more generally does tend to be more in a sensing way. It does tend to be more about the detail, about the facts, about the practicalities. And actually, that works really well for those people with a sensing preference. What organizations sometimes miss out in, if they are trying to ask people to come to the office more often, is that big picture stuff. And we did find a, you know, those differences between sensing and intuitive people in terms of the extent to which they worked in the office, the extent to which they wanted to work in the office. And that actually links in with something which I think is, is quite important for organizations, which is what happens when you ask people, when you mandate that people come to the office all the time or a certain number of days, which is a lot more and what people want to do. What we found in our research, because one of the questions we asked was, how likely is it that you're going to leave your job in the next year? And overall, 19% of people agreed or strongly agreed with that. So quite, you know, not that many people, around about a fifth. What we found was that people with a um, sensing preference were less likely to agree with that than people with the intuitive preference. That's 70% versus 23%, not a huge difference. But when you looked at people who were forced to be in the office, those non-remote people, the differences were much bigger. 15% of sensing folks, rather less, said they were likely to uh, leave a job next year. 
53% of people with intuitive preference. So those intuitive folks in particular, if you're going to force them to come into the office a lot more than they want to, if you're going to force them to work in a non-remote way, they are going to be really very seriously talking about leaving their work. And we know that the way organizations make decisions, it's good to have a mixture of both sensing and intuitive people. It's going to be detailed, but also look at the possibilities. And if you're cutting out one part of that, that doesn't bode well for that organization's future. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's interesting in itself, isn't it? And, and I suppose a bit of that's because the, the Pandora's box has opened now and people can see most organizations are doing hybrid work so if you're not doing it it's another reason to be looking elsewhere and actually within preference, you, you can imagine yourself in the next yeah you point. can imagine yourself somewhere else there's a a rather a somewhat facile statement about sensing intuition which is that those sensing folks are going to ask how the intuition folks are going to ask why and if your organization doesn't have a really good answer to that why question you know, those people may start to look elsewhere. Fascinating, fascinating. So did you see any other personality differences um, within your, your research around hybrid working? We saw one difference in terms of another aspect of personality, thinking and feeling. And thinking and feeling is about the way that people prefer to make decisions. So people with a thinking preference prefer to make decisions on the basis of objective logic, People with feeling preference prefer to make decisions on the basis of their values and how people will be affected by that decision. And I use the word prefer there because we can't always make decisions in the way we want to, but that's what people's preference if they can do it that way. One of the things we found in terms of hybrid and remote working is that people with a feeling preference are actually significantly more likely than those with a thinking preference to be dissatisfied with their home working environment. I was a little bit of a surprise because we didn't really see that coming at all. When we looked at that in more detail, we found that that was because people with a thinking preference were more likely to have a dedicated workspace. They are more likely to have carved out that dedicated home workspace for them. That may be linked to gender a little bit and uh, the gender dynamics of what happened in lockdown, but that was what was driving this thinking and feeling difference. And that goes back, I think, the things we were talking about before, about the reasons why people might want to work in the office versus working at home. Your home working environment is really important. One of the things we asked people was, what, um, what's the worst thing about working from home? And for those people who didn't have a dedicated office, by far and away, it was all those interruptions and not having my own workspace. The best thing they could see doing was somehow having their own workspace. And that's actually impinged a little bit more on people with feeling preference and also actually on people who were younger, who tended not to have um, the larger houses where they could put their own workspace, where perhaps they had uh, flatmates who were using up all the Wi-Fi and so on and so forth. And that's interesting because that does feed into some of the research I saw during the pandemic and some of the things I heard and saw that actually people who uh, had one room in a house of five 
And actually, when you were in lockdown, they weren't allowed to leave their room and socialize with the rest of the people in the the, the, the house. They were literally working at the end of their beds. And I think yes. um, too often uh, decision makers were thinking of their own worlds uh, with their outbuildings where they were working in at home, thinking this is nice, isn't it? And not thinking that actually a vast number of people don't have a spare room in their house. They barely have enough rooms to start with. And clearly organisations can only do so much about the home work environment of, of their employees. But anything they could do, even to the extent of um, making equipment available for people, making sure they, people didn't have to buy all their own equipment, um, actually did help. It did make people l- less likely to want to leave their jobs, did increase job satisfaction. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because when we think about proportions inside of work and proportions working from home, we're, we're always talking about minimum amounts of time in work, uh, like minimum 40% in the office. We're not saying maximum time because actually organisations kind of saw the advantages uh, or the perceived advantages of collaboration in the office and face-to-face time. And I think, so what do you think with looking at, at through your research, how can organisations attract people into the office and make working in the office more attractive for their employees? I think that from our research, one of the things that came out quite clearly, the the single change that people wanted most to have, really, in terms of their office space, was essentially not to have an open plan office. Now, we know there's lots of reasons why organisations like open plan offices. Um, There's been Often organizations have said, well, it increases collaboration, just the sort of things you were talking about. Actually, we researched by ourselves and previous research and others doesn't bear that out. People tend to collaborate rather more when there are dedicated spaces, meeting rooms, etc., all that collaboration purpose. But where there are also those private spaces where people can actually go when they need that quiet. So what came out from our research in terms of helping people to get into the office? was actually about the spaces in the office. It was about having a combination of private spaces and quiet spaces and communal spaces and spaces where you could get together. So having giving people that choice. Now, as organisations are moving towards some of their workers being hybrid, some may be entirely remote. We know that large organisations, a number of large organisations are actually moving out of their big offices an issue for places like Canary Wharf, for example. Um, But does give perhaps organisations the chance to rethink that space and what they do with that space to actually make it more attractive for their employees. And I'm not talking about, you know, putting in ball pits or something. I'm talking about a sensible way of having those different spaces for different purposes that people could use. Because when we looked at the changes that people would like to make to their office work environment, some people said it's too busy. Some people said it's too quiet. But having those different spaces for those different purposes would really help with that for both extroverts and introverts. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because I remember back in the day when I used to work for um, Samsung, we did a lot of work with Google. So we used to go around the Google offices and that was back 2010, 2012. And they already had those little telephone box rooms where you could concentrate and open plan spaces. So I think 
the more forward-thinking organizations who looked at their own culture were starting to do that. But I think it's almost like it's almost like people have found their individual voices through the last three, four years, and the demands that are coming saying, Well, I'm not going to come back to the office unless it's fit for purpose, because I'm not going to be the square peg being pushed into a round hole anymore. If you want me, make it conducive enough. Is that something that, that you think might be resonating? I, I think you're absolutely right, because people now can see there's a choice. Maybe we can go elsewhere where they have that choice, or maybe they can enforce that choice a little bit more in in their own organizations as well. So yeah, people can see that choice and can hopefully try and, and get that choice as well. Yeah, and, and obviously, um, I would say obviously, you, you mentioned Canary Wharf, there's a rather large bank that uh, announced recently that it was going to move uh, back into the city, into the St. Paul's area, and um, there's an opportunity there for it to recreate these places, but if not, there's going to be a, a capital expenditure for organisations to kind of gift the building to match the culture. Absolutely. And I mean, there are ways to you know, mitigate the effects of, of open offices, if you will. Um, one of the things from some previous research we carried out a couple of years ago was one of the things that most people really dislike is hot desking. But there are ways of mitigating that. And there are systems where people can effectively take out their desktop and put on their desk all their personal stuff is around them, which from our previous research tends to be particularly important for feeling preference, uh, to be surrounded by those, those personal things. So there's lots of things that organizations can do, um, but a lot of it is around that office space and thinking about it in the light of how can we make this more attractive to people as a place to work. Fantastic. So uh, another controversial tabloid question for you. Sorry, okay. I'm it with That's all right. um, So what do you think might be maybe the consequences if, if organizations do force people back into the office full time? Because we had a couple of um, examples of that at the end of the pandemic where everyone's got to come back. I can think of a couple of notable ones. I'm not going to say for legal reasons on this podcast. But uh, what do you think the consequences would be if a organisation now turned around and said, we want all, no matter what personality type you are, you're all coming back five days a week? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not about saying we will allow for people with um, extroversion purpose to come in or if you're an extroversion to stay out and make your extroversion purpose have to come in or something like that. Um, but you're right, there were, you know, a number of very well-known people who, expressed their very forceful opinions about the fact that everybody had to come to the office. Um, yeah, I won't, as you say, for legal reasons, um, quote from even though a lot of that information is sitting there in the public domain that people can look it up. Um, however, this was an interesting question that we wanted to address in the research, actually. And we asked people, first of all, how often they did work in the office what percentage of their time they worked in the office versus working remotely. And we also asked them, what was their ideal? What was their preference? And then we compared that with that question about um, to what extent they were likely to want to leave their job. Now, what we found was that when people's preference matched the actuality, whether they were working in the office 
around about the length of the week that they wanted to, actually there was only about 10% of those people agreed or strongly agreed that they wanted to leave their job. When we looked at the people who were working remotely rather more than they wanted to, I think it went up to about 25%. But when we looked at the people who were working in the office a lot more than they wanted to, that was, and I'll just check my figures, 57%. Over half of those people said, I agree or strongly agree, but I'm going to leave my job in the next year. So forcing people to go back into the office when they don't full time, when they don't want to, when they can see they have choices of elsewhere, you're just going to hemorrhage some of your good people. So I think, you know, that mandate we attend the office, unless there are very clear reasons for it, clearly some jobs you do have to be there face to face. But when we're talking about office jobs, realistically, most of the time, you don't need to. So forcing that mandatory to a better office, I think, is generally not a good idea for organizations if they want to take care of their future at all. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because you would say any advantage you would get from increased perceived collaboration, chats over water coolers, if you had that number and volume of people saying, I'm looking elsewhere, one eye, on the job market, you're you're losing that um, that uh, that engagement, that level of discretionary effort that probably holds and gels your organisation together. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, if those people are forced to come in, they don't want to. Actually, to what extent are they going to really collaborate with those other people? To what extent are they going to uh, go out of their way to be collaborative? Maybe in that open plan office that doesn't actually foster collaboration. So having a more person-centered approach, giving people a little bit more flexibility in how often they come in, I think makes a huge difference to the likelihood of people leaving, to job satisfaction, to lots of other things about, as you say, the effort that people will put in to their jobs. Fantastic. And what I, what I like, John, about the research you've done is obviously you work for the Myers-Briggs company, so there's a focus on personality, but your research went beyond that and looked at different facets um, that then could be compared into the different types of personality. So really fascinating from my point of view. Time is marching on, as it always does in our podcast, but Last question for you. If you were going to ask our listeners to reflect on one thing or to think about or do one thing, what would your research and your interpretations be saying to the listeners right now? I think really it's that last thing we were talking about, the importance of choice. The fact that if you mandate me, everybody retain the office, you will lose people. And it's the whole idea, this does fit, I think, into that personality piece, this idea that, you know, one size doesn't fit all. That especially now when people have seen the possibility of choice, you allow your employees choice, and that way you will have more motivated staff, you will have people with greater job satisfaction, you will have people who are less likely to be looking to leave. Fantastic. And and I have to say, um, my eyes have been opened to 
readdress some of my generalizations towards the different uh, areas of MBTI, the distinct different personality types, because some of the obvious ones that maybe we thought about going right the way back to the first question aren't necessarily true. However, it does spin in a different way to look at these things. So, John, it's been fantastic having you on the podcast. Thank you very much for your time and sharing your research with us. And of course, if we want to find out more about uh, the Myers-Briggs Company, where do we go? You can go to www.themyersbiggs.com. The Myers-Biggs, all one word. Fantastic. Thanks, John. And thanks for your time. And uh, well, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed our look into the hot topic of hybrid working through the lens of MBTI and personality. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with another Tech Talks HR podcast. Bye for now.